0: God the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. One of my favorite books—I've recommended it to you before—is a book called *Christianity Rediscovered*. The author, Vincent Donovan—he's—he's uh, he's dead now. Uh, he was a missionary in 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 Africa. He was a very interesting guy. He was from the Pittsburgh area where I taught in seminary and. Uh, There there were memories about him. Uh, He wanted to be a Benedictine monk, and the Benedictine said, we think you're a Franciscan. And so uh, he went to the Franciscans, and the Franciscans said, no, we think you're a Dominican. Finally, he was accepted by the Holy, he was a difficult guy. uh, So finally, he's accepted by the Holy Ghost Fathers. And they're the so-called White Fathers. They wear a distinctive White habit. They're missionaries to Africa. And he goes as a missionary to the Maasai people in Africa. And some of you may have seen documentaries about these very tall elegant looking people very distinguished looking uh, uh warriors a, a, a very a martial culture in every way nomadic cattle herding they uh, had been a mission to the messiah for 50 years there was a beautiful mission station There was a beautiful hospital There was a school there was a a research project on Maasai culture. There was only one thing that they didn't have after 50 years of mission, a single adult Maasai practicing the Christian faith. So this guy goes, and being the kind of renegade that he is, he decides to do something different. Instead of bringing the children and the sick to the mission station, where they embrace the Christian faith, and then they go back to the pagan village and go back to the old ways. Instead of doing that, he goes to the villages. And uh, he says to them, look, I'm, for, I'm, here for no, I'm, not gonna, I'm not here to take the children to school or the old people to the hospital. I'm here for one reason only, to talk about God. I'll, I'm going to sit outside the village. I'm not going to come into the village. I'll sit outside under this tree on the same day, every week, at the same time. Here's the day. Here's the time. Anybody who would like to talk about God, come out and talk to me. The chief of the first village he goes to says two things to him. He says, who can refuse to talk about God? Maybe maybe uh, we may not have, as, have it as easy as that in this culture. But he says, who can refuse to talk about God? And the second thing he says is, we've always wondered why you people were really here. And so he begins, and he has a series of villages, and he goes to a different one uh, six days a week, takes one day, takes a Sabbath day. And he goes around, and he plans out A year to convey the gospel to convey the Christian faith and um, what the book is about is as he explains the gospel and the Christian faith to the Messiah the Messiah tell it back to him and that's the Christianity rediscovered he rediscovers the Christian faith as he hears the gospel coming back to him and the people he's proclaiming it to he realizes he doesn't understand how stunning, shocking, and radical the gospel of Jesus Christ is until he hears it retold to him. And the the book is a very beautiful book, and it's full of many, many beautiful stories. But here is one. It's early on. And he's doing kind of the standard missionary thing, which is first you talk about the problem of sin. You get people to understand that. And then when they understand how serious the problem of sin is, you present to them the Savior. So he's going around all the different villages every place that he goes, he notices that there's the same person, you know, and, and it's the only person that he sees in all, of, well, he doesn't see them in the villages, he's outside the villages, and he doesn't see them in the crowd, he sees them at the back of the crowd, this one guy, and the, and the Messiah is so proud of their appearance, and this man is disheveled, he's ragged, uh, he doesn't look well, he's not in good shape, he's, something's going on. But he notices this God. And finally towards the end of the week, the man man shouts from the back of the crowd, do you Christians bring the forgiveness of sins? And the missionary's got a plan, he's sticking to his plan. he says, yes, come next week, I'll talk about that. He never sees the man again. And it begins to haunt him, so he asks about it. It turns out that this particular warrior had broken one of the taboos of the Maasai people. A taboo is an unforgivable sin. Most tribes, most cultures, for most of history, have had and have taboos. We're beginning, I think, now to live in a time when the taboo culture is coming back. Where it's possible to do something that everybody agrees is unforgivable. And here's something that we find out about about, uh, uh, forgiveness of sins, both in the Bible and in the world, for most of the world's history, for most of the world's people, and maybe it's coming again for us, The forgiveness of sins is a problem not only of the guilt complex, of peace, you know, in your mind and your heart. The problem of the forgiveness of sins is you're an outcast. The problem of the forgiveness of sins is you, you, are, um, you are beyond the pale. You are not fit for polite company. You're not fit for any company. His family, this man's family, could come out, and there was a place that was appointed in their culture where they could leave food for him, but uh, and he could pick up some food, but he could never come into, into the village again and he could never go to, into any Messiah village again. Do you Christians bring the forgiveness of sins. How is it possible for sins to be forgiven? Really bad sins. How is it possible for sins to be forgiven? The prophets of Israel speak God's word to God's people, calling them to repent from their sins. Sometimes they do, mostly they don't. And the prophet warns that if they persist in their sin, the judgment of God will fall upon them. There are times when the the judgment has already fallen. We've got a scenario like that in the Old Testament reading that we have today. Uh, There there is a drought. The prophet says, God has shut up the heavens because of your sin and your wickedness. You have become indifferent to the God of the Bible, the one true and living God. You've become infatuated with false gods and pseudo-religions. You are sunk into personal and corporate corruption, and your sins will overtake it. And then the, 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 the prophet Jeremiah does something else that the prophets do, which the prophet speaks God's word to God's people, but the prophet also speaks on behalf of the people of God. And we could well imagine Jeremiah saying, you know, look, I told you so, and he did. But that's not the position that he takes here. This section's a little bit hard to read because it's really a dialogue, and it should be broken up in such a way that we can see that it's, you know, now the prophet is speaking, now God is speaking. And, and Jeremiah, the prophet, doesn't say, doesn't say, oh, Lord, have mercy on these people. Jeremiah, the prophet, says, Lord, have mercy on us. He identifies with the people, he, and he speaks on their behalf. And he is trying to offer the repentance that they're not offering. And this is what God says to him. They're not, look, they're, they're not turning back. They're not turning back. But Jeremiah, nevertheless, beseeches the Lord. Lord, we are your people. We are called by your name. do not deserve this. He prays for the forgiveness of sin in the hope of a merciful God. So this is a problem. How can sins be forgiven? Are there not some sins that can't ever be forgiven? How can there be forgiveness that is not cheating justice? How can there not be forgiveness that is cheap? This is the problem that the Pharisees are trying to work. We come down to the gospel that's in front of us today. We're an impoverished people. We're a defeated people. We're a subjugated people. The religious tenor of the people is not good. The moral tenor of the people is not good. How can our sins be forgiven? How can we be restored? Because the forgiveness of sins is that is that the thirsty get something to drink and the hungry get something to eat. And the sick are healed. And those that are beyond the pale are welcomed home. the nation is restored how can how can there be a forgiveness of sins and the pharisees reason this way and it makes a lot of sense they reason this way there are 10 commandments there are 403 rules and regulations that have been given to us in the books of deuteronomy and leviticus to separate out separate us out to mark us off as god's holy people if we are assiduous in keeping all these laws If we strive for personal righteousness and if we shun and distance ourselves from those that are unrighteous, God will see our repentance and our righteousness and he will have mercy on us and sins will be forgiven and we will be restored. Now we come to this parable that Jesus says, thank God I'm not like this sinner over here. Now it's easy to make this story that Jesus is telling today in a story about a, about a, uh, a brittle, self-righteous person and uh, uh, somebody who is uh, really sorry and humble, and uh, just to make it a little bit too clean. So think of it this way. The guy who is saying, not even looking up, be merciful to me, a sinner, that man, he could be a Ukrainian that has collaborated with the Russians and has been found out. He could be a French Vichy or a Norwegian Quizzy. He's done something really bad. He's done something which many people, which most people for most time would regard as unforgivable. And is he really sorry? How sorry do you have to be? be forgiven something like that? Do you, Christians, bring the forgiveness of sin? The answer is yes. The forgiveness of sins is, as Jesus is teaching, in this parable a gift. But it's not justice cheated, it's all righteousness fulfilled. It's not cheap grace, but it's costly grace. It comes at the cost of the cross of Jesus Christ, where the perfect prophet perfectly identifies himself with his people and utters the perfect prayer of perfect repentance and makes the perfect atonement and makes it possible for the heavens to open. The waters to pour out, the waters of your baptism. For food to come down for the hungry, for my flesh is meat indeed. And drink to come down for the thirsty, for my blood is drink indeed. And for for the captives to be set free, those those of us who are captivated by our infatuation with false gods. And for the estranged and the exiles to come home for the prodigal to have the robe put upon him and the ring put upon his finger and to find peace once again in the midst of God's family. Do you Christians bring the forgiveness of sins? Well, no, he does, he does. And we bring it. Because he's given it to us. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.